Well, good morning. We are glad you are here this morning. It is a great morning that we can be together. We're thankful for the good crowd that has assembled here. And if you are visiting with us, you're especially our honored guest. I've always said for the last few weeks that I'm still getting to know all the Saudi folks, but I, there are a few visitors I know. I got to meet a few of you. Please hang around for just a moment that we can get a chance to visit with you and get to know you this morning. Uh, for just a moment when we're done with services, several family members here, and we're thankful that you're here as well. Uh, as Harrison alluded to in his announcements and said, there's a lot going on this month, and we are very thankful for all the opportunities in front of us, and pray that we will all take advantage of those as we have a chance to work together and to do those things and to encourage each other. One of those things has already taken place this morning. It's been in the announcements for a while, but as was mentioned several times already, Brother Mike Horn has been with us this morning, and we are thankful for his Bible class session that he taught this morning. And if you were a part of that, I know that you enjoyed that, and if you weren't, uh, there are a few uh, of the pamphlets that we had to hand out, a few of the brochures out in the lobby. You want to make sure and pick up one of those because uh, there's some good things that can be done. Um, I know that Shannon and her family have been involved with it at East Ridge for a while. Uh, our family has been involved with it through the Dunlap congregation, and we have seen a lot of good things come out of working with the Last Leaders Program, and we're very excited about the opportunity to work together. One of the things that Mike said throughout his message is the fact that this is a, a congregation-wide thing. A lot of times we uh, see lads and we think about the young people only, uh, but it is meant to be a congregation-wide thing. As we think about starting that, we want everyone here to be a part of that and be involved in the different ways. And you may be thinking, I have no idea, I have no clue, and that's all right too, because we will uh, include you, we will invite you, we will explain it to you. And so you can, as we have more announcements coming in the future, please make sure and be a part of that. And please make sure and greet Mike this morning. We're thankful that he came to be with us and share with us for for a few moments this morning. Our lesson this morning is going to continue with some of the thoughts that he shared with us just a little bit and some of the things that we have are talking about this morning. When I titled the lesson, was trying to think of a title, uh, the idea of our most precious commodity came to mind, and then I thought a little bit later, that's, that's kind of maybe a little bit of a different way to word that. When we think about a commodity, a lot of times we think of uh, things that we can use, maybe in agriculture or in business. We think about things like wood or grain or water, different commodities that we might have sometimes that people would trade or share. And so we don't always think about it in terms of the church. But commodity, if you look up the definition in its basic form, in a way, is just something that is valuable. We are in a type of business here, so to speak. A lot of times we say we're in the business of saving souls, and we're in the business of making Christians, of reaching out into the community, of working together. And if we think about it in that sense, the commodity, the commodities that we use, there are some that are very important to us, and some of them are very precious to us. You also might say the air that we breathe is a commodity to us, and that would be true as well. But when we think about the work of the church, and we think about sort of, if you will, our theme this morning, When we think about going forward into the future, we think about what lies before us, because as we've already said this morning in our announcements, some of us are getting a little older, some of us are facing a little bit more different ailments and things that that get us down, that cause us to not be able to do as much as we once did, and so we rely upon something. And this morning, if you've got your outline, the bulletin in front of you, as you begin to fill in the blanks there and we go through it together, I would submit to you that our most precious commodity is in the room with us this morning, and that is our young people. Our young people might be our most precious commodity when it comes to the work of the church because, yes, 
as we all get a little bit more gray hair, and as my wife cut my hair last night, she noticed the more gray that's in mine, even though I don't feel that old some days. But as we get a little older and our bones uh, uh, creak a little bit more, we feel like we can't get around as much, we have to rely on those who we might say are coming after us. And we talk about our most precious commodity in the church, I would submit to you this morning might be our young people. Our young people, we sometimes say, are the church of tomorrow. That's true to an extent. Sometimes they're the church of today. And we want them to be a part of the church, first and foremost. But when we think about our young people, you know, it's not uncommon sometimes for young people to do various things. Some of those are not very good when we think about it. It's not uncommon for young people to lose interest in spiritual matters as they get older. It's not uncommon as they lose that interest to to sometimes pull away or become distant from their family. Not only maybe their physical family, but especially their church family. It's not uh, not too uh, common, or it is very common sometimes, excuse me, that they start missing services just a little bit. You know, uh, we don't have any teenagers in our house yet, but if you ever try to get a teenager out of bed, sometimes on Monday morning, much less on Sunday morning, it can be difficult. And maybe they just say, well, I'm going to miss services just, just this morning. It's not uncommon for young people to start missing and then possibly altogether just stop attending the services of the Lord's church. It's not uncommon even then for them sometimes to date, engage, and even marry non-Christians. Now, of all the things that we're going to say this morning when it comes to our young people, I'm going to be the first person to stand here and tell you I don't have it all figured out. We don't have a teenager yet in our house, although we're very close. Everything that we suggest this morning is not 100% foolproof all the time. I don't claim to have all the answers because I've done it all. I'm experiencing it. I've been 100% at my kids being perfect and all of that. No, but I can tell you that as we read through the Bible, and we're going to look at some examples this morning... As we look at various situations, the Bible sometimes puts before us things that we should do. Now, if I were to go around the room and ask several of you to stand up and give an answer, I think we could find several people in the audience this morning that would say, I attended the services of the Lord's Church every time the doors were open, and I still had a young person in my home that stopped attending. It's not foolproof. But the Bible does tell us that if we're going to assemble together to worship and we come together as a family, the odds are higher that young people would remain faithful. I talked to someone even just a few days ago who said, I married a non-Christian and my life turned out okay. It's not always been easy, but it's turned out okay. That same person said, I'm telling my young people now to marry a Christian. And I had to tell them, you know, my situation's turned out okay, but it's easy. And if I were to recommend to someone what to do, it would be to marry a Christian. Someone who would lift me up and encourage me. Life's not perfect. Things aren't always the best, whether you are a Christian or not. Not a Christian. But when you look at this list, it's sometimes it's common for young people to fall into various pitfalls traps and sinful behavior, whether it be drugs or alcohol or, or any a number of things that young people can find their way into. When we think about the importance of this lesson this morning, we know that life is short. Job talks about the fact that, that man's days are few and full of trouble. James talks about the fact that our life is but a vapor. And it's gone before we can even turn around. Again, 
We've got four in our own household and they're still young. But I can look around and we could go around the room and you could tell me examples where it seems like you blink once and they're gone. So this lesson is of the utmost importance as we think about our young people. And we want to answer a couple of questions this morning in regards to them. Number one, why do we sometimes lose them? Why do we sometimes lose them? Some of this material comes from a lesson that my father-in-law has done before that he has shared with different uh, gospel meetings and things entitled, Why We Are Losing Our Young People. As I thought about that, I thought there's a lot of good points in that lesson. Are we really losing our young people? We do from time to time. Is it at an alarming rate? Sometimes, sometimes not. It varies from congregation to congregation. But the fact remains, we do lose young people. Brother Mike gave us examples already, percentages from studies that were done of young people who have turned their back on God as they have gotten on their own and out into later in life. So the fact of the matter is, we do lose young people. But why do we lose them? Number one, this morning I would submit to you sometimes, remember, sometimes, sometimes it's because of the bad influence of their friends. The bad influence of their friends. We know 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Depending on the version that you may have in front of you, it may read a couple of different ways. One of those is that Paul begins by saying, and I think we're going to have a lesson on this sometime in the future because I love when Paul says, do not be deceived. And I'll tell you now, to me, that's the arms in the air waving warning. Paul's saying, listen, pay attention Do not be deceived, because you will try to fool yourself. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, that's the New King James. Evil companions, evil company corrupts good morals, corrupts good habits. Depending on what you're looking at, we know that passage. But go with me to the Old Testament. Look in Proverbs chapter 1 for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 1. Yes, if we have evil company, if we have evil companions, it would seem obvious to us that's going to corrupt our good habits or our good morals. But the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. Now that's what those folks are telling you to do. And in verse 15, the writer of Proverbs says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Why do we lose our young people? Sometimes it's because of the bad influence of friends. It happens. We try to shield our children sometimes from from certain things. But we have to allow them to go out into the world to have friends. They should. That's how we impact the loss. That's how we reach other people. But sometimes we have to be careful who we let them hang out with. Again, a lesson that Mike pointed out in his Bible class session this morning. The friends that we keep. Sometimes we wish that we could just kind of all, all huddle up in a little commune and all be together and, and just, just not worry about everyone else. We know that goes against what the Bible says when it comes to, to evangelizing and reaching out to those who are lost. So yes, we'll have friends sometimes that maybe don't agree with us on everything. Maybe sometimes they, they influence our children in, in a way. But we must do our best to help our young people by protecting them as we can from the bad influence of friends. 
Because again, as we think about our lives and our history and what we did when we were young people, many times it's those friends that can pull us down. Number two this morning, why do we lose them? I would submit to you it's because the bad example that parents set from time to time. The bad example of parents. Again, I'm not going to stand before you as a perfect person. I'm not going to stand before you as a perfect parent. Some days in our household, we sit down at night as a a mother and a father just thankful we made it through the day without hurting anybody or without sending anybody away. We're just thankful that we survived, okay? It happens. But sometimes as parents, we have a hard job. In fact, I would submit to you this morning, it's the hardest job in the world. It can be the hardest job in the world. I would give Hannah a hard time sometimes because I would come home from work in the afternoon and, and she would be, you know, a little stressed, a little frazzled. And, and she said, you've not been with the kids all day. Of course, I said, no, but I've been with adults that act like kids all day. Huh? That's the way work goes sometimes. But yes, being a parent is the hardest job in the world sometimes. You do the same thing from one day, you do it the next day, and you get a different result because it depends on the kid's mood or their behavior or what's going on. It is very difficult. None of the things that we'll talk about in the next few moments do we take lightly, but it's something to consider as we think about our young people. When we think about the poor example of parents, young people learn from what they see. That would go for the television. That would go for movies. And sometimes we harp on those things, but what about what they see in their parents sometimes? Being a parent is hard. You know, sometimes we have parents who don't attend Bible class, and young people see that. Sometimes we have parents who don't attend services on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, and young people see that. Sometimes we as parents might want to skip out on the gospel meeting that's going on or the vacation Bible school or other events that are taking place in the congregation that we're a part of. Young people see that. Sometimes we as parents have a problem where we emphasize material things, earthly things, sports, school. The list could go on and on. And when we emphasize those things over the matters of the spiritual in the church, that's a problem. Sometimes it might slip up and just happen one day or one week. Sometimes it becomes our lifestyle and our way. And sometimes we as parents simply just flirt with the world, worldliness that we see all around us. You know, that's difficult. It's hard. It, we look at our young people sometimes, we say, it's hard to be a young person. It's hard to be in the school system and be among other people who aren't Christians. It's hard to be a parent sometimes. And compete with other parents who are doing certain things or who you see doing things that you wish you could do or that you want to do. This list is not exhaustive. This list is not perfect. But as we think about parents and the example that we set before our children, when we flirt with some of these things in the world, worldliness in general, we should not be surprised when our young people turn out just like us or just like we trained them. You see, I think the problem sometimes with the poor example of parents is that young people see, often in the church, hypocrisy. Sure, you might bring them. They might come on Sunday morning or Sunday night, and they hear what the preacher's saying. They hear what their Bible class teacher is saying. And then they go home, and during the week, they say, well, I know the preacher said we should be doing this or we should not be doing that, but I see a parent who's acting a different way. 
You know, my mother-in-law is a vice principal in Dunlap in the elementary school. And as a vice principal, she deals with a lot of discipline problems. And she comes home sometimes and, and will just say, you know, I've had a tough day. You know, I had to call a parent. Sometimes I have to call grandparents because the parents aren't even around anymore. Sometimes I'll pull a kid in and I'll ask him, where did you hear that four-letter word that you used on the school bus or on the playground? And at least one kid or many kids will say sometimes, I usually hear it when my parents get mad at each other and start yelling at each other. None of us are perfect. Being a hypocrite sometimes is easy. Avoiding being a hypocrite sometimes is very hard. But I would submit to you that when we think about our parenting, when we think about our young people, we must do our dead level best in the hardest job in the world to help our children see God God living in us and us doing our best. I, I, don't, I don't want for you to be perfect because I know you can't be perfect because I know I'm not perfect. That's when we take our time to teach our children why we're not perfect and what we can do to be better. But we do need to pay attention every day that we set the right example. That the things that we take them to the church building to hear and to listen from class and the sermon, they see exemplified among their parents. One more thing this morning that I would submit to you about one reason why we lose them is very simply that they're not committed. Sometimes that commitment comes because parents aren't committed. But oftentimes, they are simply just not committed to the cause. They're not committed to the cause of Christ. They want to be lukewarm sometimes like they see in those around them. If you've got your Bible, turn with me first of all to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39, Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Who is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about a person who is committed and when our young people see that in us, and we instill that in them, then as they get out on their own, they will be committed to the cause. They will be committed to attending the services of the Lord's church every time that they can. But it's a person who will forsake all other things, who will even deny themselves and follow after Christ. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, again, along the same similar lines, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily event. It's got to be. It can't just be on Sunday morning. It can't just be on Sunday night. It can't just be on Wednesday night. It can't just be all of those combined. It's got to be a daily thing that our children see in us a commitment that they will then follow. And of course, the powerful words of Jesus, again, this time in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, which to me is one of the strongest word pictures in the Bible that the Son of God says, I would spew you out of my mouth. I don't want you to be lukewarm. And we're still in the throes of summer here somewhat. We're, we're longing for fall, but we have those hot days. And if you've ever had a hot day and you go pick up that bottle of water or you go to get water out of the fountain or the cooler and you grab a cup of lukewarm water, you want to do the same thing that Jesus does. Spew it out of your mouth. Jesus says, I don't want you to be lukewarm. 
Look again at verse 15 if you turn there. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I would wish or I could wish you were cold or hot. Why would Jesus say that he wants us to be cold? Because he certainly doesn't want us to be lukewarm. And the idea, the picture of the Son of God spewing us out of his mouth is very powerful. Why do we lose our young people? Sometimes, sometimes it's the friends they keep. Sometimes it's the bad example of the parents who are around them. Sometimes it's because they're simply not committed. As they're being raised in the church or as they're being raised, they're not taught the commitment that the Bible makes very plain and clear of what it's needed to be a follower of Christ. Why do we lose them? Those are just a few reasons. We could spend a whole month on that this morning. But what I'd like to submit to you in the second place this morning is what can we do? I don't know if you can see that up there. Charles told me he helped me with the color. I can't see it on the back wall. But what can we do? What can we do? If this is such a big problem, if their life is so short, if we only have a little bit of time, what can we do? You know, when you think about it, think about a young person who's born. How long is it until they really understand what's taking place within these walls or whatever church building they may attend services at? three, four, five, before they really understand what we're talking about sometimes. 18 is when they leave a lot, right? 18 when they go off to college sometimes. So we're talking about maybe, maybe 13 years, maybe 13 years that they would be in the services of the church if you bring them, if they come, to learn what the church is about, what commitment really means. So what can we do? I would submit to you, number one this morning, programs. Programs. You see, a lot of times we want to talk about programs and say, well, we have too many programs. We do too much. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes it's on the parents. But sometimes programs help as well. Obviously, this morning, part of this lesson has to do with the fact that we're hoping, hoping to get started with lads to leaders. It's a great and wonderful thing. I can't tell you enough how much of an impact it's had even in our own family. Be a part of a program like lads to leaders. Be a part of a program like our Saudi Sowers program. When Harrison spoke a, a month or two ago about the Sowers program and talked about it, the first thing that I thought of as he began to really get into what that was about and explain what that was about was, that's me. That's 100% me. My father died when I was very young. He died of cancer. That's just what happened to me. But, but I didn't have the same influence in my life of a father in that way. But I can tell you that the person or the people that influenced me the most to want to get into youth ministry and then become a preacher were the youth ministers and the preachers that I were around, the older folks who encouraged me. We want you to be involved with last leaders, but it's not necessary. We want you to be involved with the Saudi Sowers program because you can have a chance to have an impact on our young people and work with them. But there also are other youth events. Uh, as we said, we've got a busy month coming up. There's so much going on that we have a hard time scheduling it all. Programs can have an important impact on our young people. Now, what it can't be is that you bring your kids to the building whenever we do something and you shove them out and you gas it to 60 and burn tires on the way out of the parking lot and you come back to pick them up at the end and expect that that's going to do it all. Let's go back to the parents for just a moment. Let's go back to the friends. But being a part of the programs that are, we have here at the Saudi Congregation, the teen singing, going to Rush, all the other things, the TNT that, that Harrison and Tabitha and others are planning along the way, being a part of those programs can help. 
It's why we had Mike here this morning. It's why we're interested in doing those things because those programs can help along the way. Number two this morning, I would submit that you can pray. Now, you're all going to start thinking that I'm a lazy preacher because that was one of our points last week as well, that we can pray. But guess what? Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. That's a whole other lesson in and of itself. One of the things that we can do for our young people is pray. Not only pray for them, but let them see us praying and praying for them. Not just here, not just in this pulpit or here in front of this table, but at home, in our everyday lives, at meals, at all the things that we do in this life. We can pray for our young people and let them see us pray. Because prayer is important. And praying for them and praying with them encourages them along the way. You know, I've seen other statistics as well about the families that have maybe a family Bible time or devotional time or just simply pray together about how often those kids remain faithful. It's something that we should consider. And then number three this morning and finally, we need a pattern. Let's go back to our parents for just a a few moments and let's, let's think about the pattern. First of all, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. You remember the pattern that's laid out there, don't you? That children are to obey their parents, for this is right. Honor their father and mother, but that fathers as well. And of course, when Hannah says that fathers aren't supposed to do it, I remind her that mothers aren't supposed to do it as well. But fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's a pattern there. There's a way that we should live. And an example that we should set. If we want our young people to remain faithful, if they are truly our most precious commodity, we want to see them grow up and be raised in a way that they will become our future Bible class teachers, song leaders, those who would lead on the Lord's table, preachers, elders, deacons, then we have to set the right pattern and example. Go with me to another Old Testament passage, secondly. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Moses here is talking to the children of Israel. And it's one of those things, in case you think it's just a New Testament principle, in case you think that what we had today is new, that nobody else has ever had it harder, that parenting is harder now than it's ever been in the history of mankind, look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, and verses 9 and 10. What does Moses say? He says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And, and teach them to your children, and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children." I've said the word parents a lot. I don't know how much I've said grandparents. Moses will say it for me. If you think this lesson only applies to those young families in this room with kids, then you're wrong. This lesson applies to this whole congregation. If you've got grandchildren, if you've got great-grandchildren, you're supposed to teach them these things. And what does Moses go on to say? He gives them a specific example. He talks about a specific location. We should teach them about God and following after Christ, but that's not it. We should give them examples of things that have happened, of momentous days, monumental days in our life that have been good for us, whether it's the day we became a Christian, the day that something happened here at this congregation that was important. 
You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in last leaders having to be involved in it. I hope that this is a great day for this congregation going forward, that we encourage our young people, and that one day I may tell my grandchildren about the day that Mike Horn, and they'll say, who? We say, oh, we remember him. The day that Mike Horn came and introduced us to last leaders, and we tried to get started because this congregation may have 120 people still. This congregation may have 200 people then. But whether it has 120 or 200, there are faithful Christians in this community who are assembling together, working together, and evangelizing to those in this area who need to know Christ. Remember, our young people will follow what they see. Are we patterning, pattern, patterning excuse me, the right example for them? Are we setting the right example each and every day, not only as parents, but as great as grandparents, as great grandparents potentially, when we think about setting the right example for our kids, what can we do? We need to be what they need us to be, showing them the way. Our young people are very important in a lot of different ways. If we want this congregation to continue, if we want the Lord's Church to continue, we have an opportunity before us with a group of young people here, maybe more that will join us in the future, to strengthen them to encourage them, to not just teach them about leading singing, not just teach them about how to move your hand when you lead singing, not just teach them about how to give a speech, but in doing those things about how to serve in a worship service, about how to lead a congregation in the, all these various ways. Our young people are very important to us. We need to remember that not only this morning, but all throughout our lives. And may we resolve even this day through the programs that we have, through the pattern that we can set and through the prayers that we pray to encourage them that they will remain faithful all the days of their life. This morning, maybe you're here, and as we conclude this lesson, you are not a Christian. You can't even begin to set the right example because you've never named the name of Christ. Had your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, been immersed in the water, baptized for the forgiveness of sins, we would gladly encourage you to make that great decision. If being a parent is the hardest job in the world sometimes, and being married sometimes goes along with that as well, and those are some of the greatest decisions we can make, I would submit the first great decision we can make is to become a follower of Christ, a child of God. We're thankful that God has made a way of salvation, that we can't have our sins washed away, that he can add us to his church, and we can begin to live faithfully. But maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've wandered away. You see, all those things that we talked about, the list that we put up there this morning, those things are easy sometimes. It's easy to fall away. It's easy to say, I'll just sleep in. It's easy sometimes to just not parent our kids the way they need to be parented. It's easy sometimes to allow sin to enter our life and separate us from God. We're thankful, though, that it's not just a one-time shot. He doesn't strike us dead whenever we mess up, but we have an opportunity to repent of our sins, pray for forgiveness, and he is willing to do just that, that we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. But what this lesson encourages, and what I'm asking you to do right now, is to take a little bit of self-examination. Are you a Christian this morning, or do you need to come back to him? Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation to encourage you in some way as you're struggling through life. That's part of the beauty of being together, is that we can encourage you. And we'll be doing that now as we stand together and as we sing. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, his disciple live for me. 
Render not to any other what alone the Lord should be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus, wandering sinner, under Satan serve no more. Of the promise, prize a winner, thou mayst be when life is o'er. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus in life's morning, at the noon tide hour be his. And at it when day is turning, and in heaven endless bliss. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live.